You're listening to The Story Connective. In this episode, we're sharing real-life stories about the difference school gardens can make in the lives of children. Usually with kindergarten, we do green smoothies, and we use a lot of our fruits and our vegetables. We put some kale, sneak some basil in there, a lot of fruit, and we make our smoothie. And then after that, they have the experience, and I'm like, you guys just ate kale. You guys told me you didn't like kale. You like it. And they're like, I love kale. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Welcome to The Story Connective. I'm Rebecca Rhapsody. The Story Connective shares inspiring stories of possibility, resilience, and cooperation. Before we begin today's episode, we have a quick note for our listeners. This is our 22nd episode. If you've been enjoying our work, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us get the word out. Thank you. Today, we have a bunch of stories that come straight from the garden, the school garden. We collected these stories when Story Connective was invited to do a story bridge workshop with Grow Some Good. They are a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating hands-on outdoor learning experiences in schools. They envision a food-secure community where everyone grows, shares, and prepares healthy local foods. And they understand the important role school gardens play in making this vision come true. Having a learning garden at a school is an idea much on the rise these days. These types of school gardens used to be a common thing. Many schools in Europe had learning gardens in the early 1800s. In fact, the word kindergarten comes from Germany, and it means garden for the children, because the school learning activities for young children included gardening. The school garden movement arrived in the United States in the 1890s, and gardens used to be in schools all over the country, particularly during World War I and II to increase food supplies. Interest in maintaining school gardens went down with the rise of more technology-focused school curricula, but it wasn't so long ago that school gardens were a part of the school experience for most students. Most of Hawaii's public schools, for example, had school gardens as recently as the 1970s, and that was only 40 years ago. Grow Some Good is going into its 10th year of providing the support schools need to get more kids out into the garden and interacting with the life cycles of nature and where our food comes from. In our Story Bridge workshop, we help the people from Grow Some Good exchange their stories. Plus, during the exchange, administrators and board members got a chance to interact more with the garden coordinators, who are usually outside teaching the kids and maintaining the gardens. All the participants felt very connected and inspired by the experience and shared some super heartfelt stories. These stories are delightful and we're delighted to share them with you. So let's get started. Our first story is from school garden coordinator Bradley Mason about a middle school boy who had recently moved to America. My story starts last May in the garden at Lahaina Intermediate. We have a very multicultural population at Lahaina Intermediate, and one of the former garden coordinators planted a lot of Marungai trees. And we have uh, a large population of Filipino students at Lahaina Intermediate. And at this particular day, we're harvesting all the trees. So in order to do that, I have middle school boys with pruning saws 
which is a little aggressive and bold, but I like it because they enjoy doing it and they do a really good job. And I didn't want to chop down all the trees myself. So in the middle of harvesting all the Moringai and trying to manage all the different groups and make sure no boy chops his fingers off or anything like that amidst all the chaos, we're processing all the plants, taking the leaves off and separating the pods and all the other stuff. And in the middle of all that chaos, one of the boys told the teacher, um, that this is the best day that I've had since I've come to America and been at school because back in the Philippines, this is what I used to do. And this is a student that's very shy, doesn't speak the language very well. And his teacher came up to me and said, hey, I want you to share this story with your teacher because I'm trying to manage everything else and there's just a lot going on in my mind. And so he said, she said, what did you say to me? And he said that, you know, this is the best day that I've had at school since I've, I've been in America because this is what I did back home. And for me, that was something that was very powerful and you know, it gives me chicken skin right now, even as I tell it. And um, that's what's cool about school gardens and grow some good. You can't have that kind of experience in a classroom. This next story is shared by school garden coordinator, Jada Miller. It's about an elementary student rising to the occasion. My story starts actually at uh, Pukulani Elementary. And uh, this particular day, I went up there to just sort of assist my garden coordinator. Sometimes I just like to drop in and act as a mentor. And the communicator for the school, who actually is the librarian, she really enjoys gardening and she came out to the garden as well that day to participate in this fifth grade lesson. And so the lesson essentially was to have the students become the problem solvers of different challenges that happen or might occur in the garden. So we took a walk and we were just trying to see some different things that might need to be worked on. And on this particular day, the tomato trellises had all kind of fallen over. And um, we presented to the students, we're like, well, okay, like, what are you gonna do about it? How are you going to solve this? What are you going to do? And we stood back and we kind of let them um, kind of talk about it and look around and see what kind of resources they had. And this one boy went and found some rebar from who knows where. And he started, you know, putting them into the ground. And then they found some string, again, from who knows where. <laughs> and he started organizing all the students. And he became the leader of solving this problem. And before you know it, the tomatoes were back up, standing straight, upright. And they're standing back, kind of proud of themselves, you know, kind of patting each other on the back, like, yeah. And you know, sometimes like up in Pukulani, it can get really windy. And there they were, standing very straight. And um, I look over, and I notice that the librarian is crying. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, like, gosh, I wonder what happened. Um, so we, we dismiss the students, we tell them, like, great job, and see you next time. And I just ask the librarian, like, are you okay? Something happened? And she said that I've been working here for a long time. And I have watched that boy from kindergarten up till fifth grade now. And I have seen him consecutively every single year fail, every grade level. And then we all started crying. 
because there he was succeeding as the leader of this group in the garden. Kathy Becklin is our next storyteller. She is the executive director of Grow Some Good, and she shares her loving memories of learning how to garden with her grandpa. I'm Kathy Becklin. I'm the executive director of Grow Some Good and founder, celebrating going into our 10th year. My story is I don't follow directions well, so my story is my story of me when I was a fourth grader. My dad was in Vietnam and so we were living with my grandparents. And my grandfather, who was very dear to me, um, he wasn't very healthy. He had emphysema and he had, had stomach cancer so he only had a quarter stomach so you kind of remember all that. But he taught me to garden. We had about a quarter acre and he'd try to engage all the kids. I had three brothers and sisters and oodles of cousins in the area. And, you know, they'd all come out once or twice, but I just loved being out there with my grandpa in the garden. And he taught me how, you know, I remember growing tomatoes this big and having to haul bucketfuls of zucchinis out to give away. <laughs> and, um, you know, he'd make me go up to grandma and get all the um, fish heads to plant with the plants to um, provide extra nutrients. So, you know, I had a full summer back in Minnesota with my grandfather and learned, you know, really associated with the earth. So, you know, dad comes back from Vietnam, we move back to California, and life goes on. I become a, um, get my degree in computer science and am very isolated from, the, from growing. Things just come around. And I move back to Maui, and suddenly our food sustainability became very important and started working with um, South Maui sustainability. But when we had our garden meetings, that's when people came alive. People love seeing how the gardens come out. And then working with the kids, it just came like full circle. But, you know, my time spent with my grandfather and the things he taught me brought me back to this. And thank you. Grandpa. <laughs> Our next story is told by Maurice Bajan about how helping some kids follow their passions had some inspiring results. Um, years ago, I used to run a youth center in Haiku. It was right next to an elementary school and the school got a garden. It was definitely a nice school garden and they used to take the kids to the garden and then the kids would come to our club after school and they used to complain that they didn't get enough time in the garden. They used to always grumble. Three or four kids, oh, we never get enough time. It's always so rushed. Can we go back? Well, it wasn't our garden so we couldn't just send them in there. But 
the need was there. The, the three or four kids had a need to go back. So we started talking with the school. We started, uh, we had a staff meeting. One of the staff stepped up and said that she's going to take care of it. She started talking to the school. They, they were on board with it. They gave her a key to the lock. They gave her a key to the shed. And she started taking those three to four kids to the garden, five o'clock, almost every day. And then from the three to four kids, within a month or two, we had 20, 30 kids. Uh, take me, take me. She had to start sign-up lists. She had to like post them on a cork board and people, you know, the first 25 get to go with me. And this was kind of a big thing. They loved every minute of it. And um, I remember I used to get in the office pretty early in the morning so that I would see the kids walking to school by my office window. And they used to go by the garden and check on it. Just, did anything grow? Did anything change? Then on the way back, they used to come from school to the club and tell us, we need to go back and read this. We, oh, the sunflowers are super tall, you know? So they kind of took ownership of that garden without any adult pushing them to do it. It was actually them opening our eyes to the fact that they wanted to be part of it. Um, that kind of started a garden program at our club. Um, something that we never had, but the philosophy I had was whatever the kids need and they want, we should provide for them. So, you know, we scrapped probably something else that we were thinking of doing in lieu of doing gardening with them for an hour a day. Um, then we started changing field trips. Instead of going to the beach, we started going to farms. And kids started learning about sustaining and living off the land. And we actually had one field trip, but it was really from the farm to the table. They got to make pizzas and cook that food. And it was, and then the club was invited, but because it was during school hours, I couldn't take the club. But I opened it up to the school and I said, every kid that's at the club, that's part of the club, should be part of this field trip. So we ended up taking two busloads to that farm. So after that, the kids would go, well, how come we eat such junk food here? How come we don't <laughs> eat healthy food at this club? I told them, well, because it costs money. You know, if you go to Costco or you go anywhere, vegetables are expensive. You know, it's, it's a lot cheaper to buy a couple of noodles. And if I buy one crate of vegetables, that's going to blow our budget. So sorry, but that's all we can afford. We have to feed hundreds of you every day. So then they started getting donations from, oh, my neighbor can bring us bananas. We had Alex Bodie across the street. He used to bring us um, apple bananas and whatever he could bring because all of a sudden he was involved with us. Then a parent told us that the farmer's union was meeting next door at a haiku center on certain day of every month. Talked to Bill Greenleaf. He got all the farmers to start donating to us. There was another parent, Kat, forget her last name, but she was getting, she was driving around and picking up food for us. So all of a sudden, we had the product and they stopped eating beef stroganoff or like hot dogs or we used to do just like Simon with Spam. And all of a sudden, they started eating stir fry. They started eating just fresh, fresh fruit. You know, they would come up to a snack bar and with a dollar instead of buying a Milky Way, they would ask for grapes orange slices. So with those three kids just kind of putting the whole thing in motion, the whole culture of the club changed. And then another club saw that we could do it, so they started a garden. And then another club wanted, you know, so really those three, four kids just speaking up, just wanting something different in their life, 
got this whole ripple effect of all these clubs having gardens and, and, and providing healthy food for them. So um, thank you for bringing that up for me because that was kind of cool to think about. Thanks. Our next storyteller is a retired elementary school teacher from Kihei Elementary and is now a proud board member of Grow Some Good. Judy Locke shares a story about a smart, mischievous student finding his place in the school garden. My story is about our school garden that was started by Grow Some Good many, many years ago. Well, near its inception. And it was a wonderful place. And we had garden coordinators that were so dedicated to the kids and, and taught them so many things and were so friendly. And the, at the, one particular year, we decided to have gardens around the world. So they grew different, they assigned grade levels different countries. And we would plant gardens based on those countries, different foods, different herbs, different um, beans and things. And this one particular year, I had a student, this little young boy, third grade, and he was a smart boy. He was so smart. But he was also so mischievous at the same time. So he was always looking for the challenge. How can I make this person laugh? How can I get around doing this? But he was smart, but kind of needed a lot of um, direction. He wouldn't make wise choices oftentimes. But in the garden, he was fine. He enjoyed the garden. He got along very well with our garden coordinators. And then one day, the garden coordinator came and asked me something about this boy. And he says, did you ask him to go to the garden? And I said, well, no. He goes, oh, because this one boy found himself at recess, not on the playground, but in the garden. And the garden coordinator thought, well, he's here to visit. You know, his teacher probably said something. They would have conversations about recipes and the boy's grandfather's Filipino garden and about all these different recipes and ways they would use these foods. And it was enjoyable, except then one day the garden coordinator noticed that whenever the administrators were walking, he would hide. <laughs> and this was kind of like the secret challenge reward for himself. He was a good worker. He was, you know, a good conversationalist. He was learning so much and teaching so much. But it wasn't a designated recess option. And so the garden coordinator asked me, well, what do you think? And I said, well, if you don't think he's getting hurt and he's not bringing a bunch of other kids, then maybe it, well, this is a good thing for him. Because in previous weeks, this is a boy that would almost always had to win a game or got into some kind of teasing episode or something didn't go right with his recess. Oftentimes, unintentionally, he would be in trouble. Things would just go bad. But in the garden, I think he had this sense of accomplishment and purpose and joy. It was a joyful place for him to be where he was learning and teaching. And I think I'm hoping that he remembers that garden as being very special. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Cynthia Cordova will be our final storyteller today on this podcast. She is a school garden coordinator at an elementary school in Wailuku, and she shares some delightful moments of learning and fun she's gotten to witness with her students experiencing the garden. At our 10-week program at Pu'ukukui, I have grade levels K through fifth for 10 weeks, and I have two classes per grade. 
And usually at the beginning of the year, we decide on a plant that that specific class wants to grow based on specific grade levels. We follow the bigger the seed, the smaller the kiki, because it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> so usually I like to kind of guide kindergarten to grow sunflowers because it's such a, it's a familiar seed for them. And the plant grows really tall and really big, and they're so small. And so it's more of that impact for them. And it's happy, and they're happy. <laughs> And as the grade levels get higher, I try to encourage them to gear towards something that they might not be familiar with, whether it be kale or Swiss chard or fennel or something that they are maybe, they've heard it, maybe some of them are familiar, but the majority are probably like, ooh, I don't really like kale. I don't know, I don't know if I wanna grow that. So I'm like, well, let's do it. And so they grow with these plants, they plant it from a seed, we plant them in clear cups, they see the roots develop, and as the weeks go on, they grow with their plant. And then we come to talking about sharing, okay, today in class we're gonna talk about um, vegetables. Raise your hand if you can share with me, you know, your favorite vegetable or your favorite fruit. And then they'll start going and then turn to a partner and tell, tell your partner what you like. And then I hear the commotion, I hear them going back and forth, and then I hear students saying, ew, I hate kale, ew, it's so gross. And then I'm like, okay, freeze. We're gonna talk about something. I have something important to share to you guys. Because we're gonna practice kindness and open-mindedness in the garden, Let's start with saying, don't yuck my yum. Don't yuck my yum. It's okay if you don't like my, if you don't think my yummy is good, but don't yuck it. It's okay, you can just say you don't like it and let's be open-minded about it. And so they go, okay. And so as they continue on, I hear students go, don't yuck my yum. Don't yuck my yum, that is my yummy. It's okay if you think it's yucky, but don't say it's yucky. Just say you don't like it. And so I go around the garden and I smile and I just let them do their thing. At the end of our 10 weeks, the students get to vote on something they want to prepare with a plant that they're growing. And usually with kindergarten we do green smoothies and we use a lot of our fruits and our vegetables we put some kale sneak some basil in there a lot of fruit and we make our smoothie and then after that they have the experience and i'm like you guys just ate kale you guys told me you didn't like kale you like it and they're like i love kale I'm like yes <laughs> So I have those kindergartners come back this year as first graders and they come into the garden and we start class with senses. So let's walk around the garden, let's explore, use your sense of smell, use your sense of touch, use your eyesight. And I had a student rub the basil plant and they go, miss in, miss in, smell my hands. And I go, okay. And then they so and they're like, I remember this plant. I'm like, do you? Well, how? How did you how do you remember this plant? I drank it. You drank it with me? And they're like, yeah, last year in kindergarten, do you remember? I remember. Do you remember what you made with it? They're like, we made smoothies. I'm like, oh my God. Do you remember the name of the plant? They're like, basil. It's basil. I'm like, oh my God. So just by smelling it, you remember that we made it in a smoothie. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so good. And they're like, I love basil, but I love the smoothie even more. And I'm like, oh my God. They're like, can we make it again this year? I'm like, hmm, I think we should make pesto with the basil this year. Let's keep going. That's my memory. <laughs> Thank you.
wraps our podcast today. A big thank you to Grow Some Good for keeping school gardens in the schools of Hawaii for the last 10 years and counting. Today, school gardens are making an exciting resurgence as parents, teachers, and school administrators are realizing all the benefits of having a garden at school. For example, time in the garden increases student achievement and behavior, as well as social-emotional learning. It develops teamwork skills. Time in the garden improves student leadership skills. It enhances life science and math classes, and time in the garden promotes better nutrition. Research shows that kids who experience school gardens tend to eat more fruits and vegetables. This means that the trend of more school gardens is going to have a huge effect on the health of our future. Learn some more about Grow Some Good on their website, growsomegood.org. That's O-R-G. They also have a great social media presence, so check them out. Thank you everyone who participated in our StoryBridge exchange for school gardens on Maui. We had a lot of fun. StoryBridge is a very connective experience and helps people in understanding the values they bring to life in their community or organization. We love facilitating StoryBridge gatherings and provide the group with recordings of the stories for their records as part of the experience. If you would like to bring StoryBridge to your organization or community, please get in touch with us. Learn more about StoryBridge at www.storybridge.space. Please share your stories with us too. What's a meaningful moment that's happened in a garden in your life? Write your story in, record it, and send it to us. Email rhapsody at storyconnective.org or connect with us on social media. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us get the word out and attract more listeners. Story Connective runs on donations as well, so if you support our 501c3 mission and vision of bringing inspiring stories of resilience and possibility to the world, well, we're supported by listeners like you. You can make a one-time donation at rally.org slash storyconnective or become a patron, meaning you give us a donation each time we create a piece of content. Learn more at patreon.com slash storyconnective or by using the Be a Patron button on the Podbean podcast app. We really appreciate your support. Special thanks to Grow Some Good and the Maui Arts and Culture Center for help making this StoryBridge workshop possible. And thank you to our tellers, Bradley, Jada, Kathy, Maurice, Judy, and Cynthia. Special thanks as well to Richard Gear, the founder of the StoryBridge Method, and Ching Hong Wei, StoryBridge's executive director, and the StoryBridge team for all your community and support. StoryBridge Gathering facilitated by Rebecca Rhapsody from the Story Connective and StoryBridge Spaces. Audio recording by Aloxy Clovis at storyconnective.org. Audio production by Aloxy Clovis. The intro song is Which That Is This by Dr. Turtle, released under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The outro song is by Rebecca Rhapsody. We are grateful to our nonprofit fiscal sponsor, Elsa, at ellsa.org. The purpose of this audio interview is for nonprofit education, news, and commentary. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License. Thank you for listening to The Story Connective. <laughs>